Uh, we're going to be looking at three keys tonight uh, for spiritual maturity. And let me tell you what, these three keys will, will, will catapult you from where you are to where God wants, you, for everything God has for you, everything God wants for you. These are three keys. They are very basic keys, but you know, most keys are basic, but that key will not, if you don't have the right key, you can't get in. We have a condo uh, down in South Carolina, our family, we've had of uh, 20 some years we've worked with our family on that and and uh, we get to go and stay there uh, when we're down and uh, we have a key and we have an owner's closet key the uh, Garcia's you guys have been there with us and and uh, owner's closet we got all our goodies in there just like at the beach house you know but when I switched vehicles a year ago I somehow another lost my keys so now I'm the owner of this place, but what's in that locked cabinet, that closet, I can't get into. And my stuff's in there, and I can't get in there. So I'm like, wow. So we've made arrangements for uh, my uncle to cut me some more keys and send them to me, because do you know how frustrating it was? I was within inches of everything that we've stored in there for years and years, but I couldn't get in there unless I busted the door down, and I wasn't going to do that. And uh, all I needed was the right key. And I'm going to give you three keys tonight that's going to unlock the door for everything that God has for you so that you can walk into that room and enjoy it. And uh, so how many of you are ready to move forward? Amen. We're going to start in Galatians chapter 4. Father, I just thank you for your word. Your word, God. I don't even have to ask for your word to work. Your word is powerful. Your word is sharper than a double-edged sword. Your word is going to quicken us. It's going to bring life. It's going to bring virtue. It's going to bring value. It's going to bring power. It's going to bring anointing. Uh, it's going to bring faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by your word. So Lord, I, instead of asking your word to do what your word does, I'm going to thank you. And we're going to thank you, Lord. So now we thank you that your word is going to cause our faith to rise here in the next few minutes. We thank you that your word is going to equip us. Come on, church. We want to thank you, God, that the power of your word is going to be released in us. We want to thank you, God, that your word, every promise of it is true, and it's going to, those promises are going to manifest in our life. Lord, we want to thank you for your word. For Jesus, you are the word. Hallelujah. And Lord, we just receive you with the fullness of heart now as we come and approach your written word in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. Looking at Galatians chapter 4 verse 1, the Bible says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all. Look at there. Anybody ever been acting like that lately? Any of your spouses been acting like that lately? Go ahead and point them out. This, this is confession time. Oh, one of the spouses is owning it up to himself. Okay, Brother Lamar, we're not going to point you out at all. And uh, <laughs> Galatians 4, he says, Now I say this, that the heir, as long as he is a child, as long as you operate with immaturity, even though you are an heir, even though everything in the covenant is yours, even though every promise of God is yours, you're not going to walk into it. You're not going to see the transfer uh, because you're no different than the slave, the Bible says. Even though the heir, as long as he's a child, is no different from the slave, even though he's master of all. There we are, were owners of this condominium, 
and behind a door was all of our supplies, but because we didn't have the key, because we didn't have the right thing to turn and open, we were, we were, it was ours, but we were no better off than someone that we rented it to who did not have access to that. Let me tell you what, we want to look at the keys to spiritual maturity so we don't continue to act like children. And I'm not talking about children that's uh, having temper tantrums down here. I'm talking about immature in our faith, immature in our walk with God, immature in our talk, immature in our actions, immature in our thoughts. We need to work on these tonight. We're going to see these keys that are going to help us go to the next level. 1 Corinthians 13, 11, the Apostle Paul kind of identified this immaturity. He said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. He said, I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. So he says, here's the signs of immaturity. is how you talk. How you talk. How have you been talking this week? What's been some of the words coming out of your mouth? Have they been words of faith? Have they been words of encouragement? Have they been words of power? Have they been words of uplifting and, 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 and so forth? Or have they been negative words? Have they been whining words? Have they been crying words? You know what I'm saying? So Paul says, when I was a child, you could tell it by the way I spoke and by the way I understood and the way I thought. My whole thinking pattern was on me. It was all about selfishness. It was all about what I don't have. It's all about what I want right now and I'm mad because I don't have it. He says, he said, but I became a man. I put away childish things. So if you're waiting, if you are waiting for God, to mature you, it's not going to happen. You've got to step up and say, it's time I start acting like a man or a woman of God. You've got to put away childish things. You've got to make that decision that I'm going to mature and I'm going to do it God's way because I'm going to receive God's provision for my life and God's plans for my life. I'm going to walk in His plan. So I'm going to identify anything that's holding me back, anything that is of the immature nature, and I'm going to put those childish things away. So are you ready to do that? Yes. Amen? The center aisle. You guys are on tar target here. The other ones, I don't know what's going to happen with the wings out here. Okay. The wings. Sorry about that, Dr. Wing. <laughs> uh, boy, I'm really putting my foot in my mouth tonight. Okay. So part of the maturation process for us to mature is passing and getting through trials. Tests and trials. Same way you go through college and you go through high school and you go through middle school and you go through grammar school, you have, tests, you have tests that get you promotion to the next level. Well, believe it or not, you never graduate from life, okay? You're still going to have tests and you're going to have trials that you have to pass. And, and so let me just ask, has any of you checked out of life? If so, you had no trials. You have no tests. Everything is just... What is the old saying? Hunkadori. Everything, you got nothing. Everything is cool. Or is there anybody in here been going through any tests lately? Anybody going through trials lately? Okay, so that means you're still in life. That's a good thing. Now, how many of you ever had to take a test more than once to get a passing grade? Okay. Uh, you, the teacher was kind enough to say, okay, you go study and we'll come back and we'll, we'll, we'll let you take this again. Uh, that's the good thing about God. He'll let us keep taking the test until we pass it. So uh, we know what trials and tribulations are, and, uh, and that is not, they're not fun, 
but they're a part of life. Every one of us faces trials. Every one of us faces tests, whether in our families, our businesses, our jobs, our schools, our relationships, our emotions, our finances, or all of those at one time. Some of us say, wait a minute, how is it that I got all my tests fell on the same day, you know, <laughs> or on the same week? Uh, anybody identify with that? It feels like exam time. It's like, wow, these professors should be working together and not giving all this stuff to us in the same time. They should scatter it out, but they don't because they've got a schedule too. Well, that's how life works. And the Bible says that we're all faced with tribulation in this world. Jesus said, uh, in this world you will have tribulation. He says, but take courage, be of good cheer, because I've overcome the world. Uh, isn't that a good news that Jesus says, I've overcome the world. You're going to have trials. You're going to have testing. Uh, but but uh, that is going to be a challenge. Put that next scripture up for us here in John 16, 33. Yeah, there it is. He said, these things I, Jesus, have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. Nothing broken, nothing missing. But in the world, so you're in him. And while you're in him, you're still in the world. So here's what you're having to deal with in the world. You're going to have tribulation. He said, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So I'm just here to rejoice with you in the fact that if we do it God's way, we can pass the test, and he's going to show us how to pass the test, and that's what we're going to look at tonight. First Peter 1, 6, and 7 says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while. Somebody say, a little while. Say that, that means it's not going to last long. Somebody say, praise God. The test is not going to last long. The trial is not going to last long. Now, you feel like when you're in the midst of it, it's forever. When you're under the pressure and nothing seems to be working out at the right time, it seems like eternity. But let's listen to God's word over our emotion. God's word, which sees everything from the beginning to the end and the end from the beginning, he says it's just going to last a little while. Somebody say, Whew, it's just going to be for a little while. Now, if you don't know what real trial and test is, you don't, you don't want to cooperate with me right now. And we need to really kick you out into real life because somebody's covering for you and uh, you're not facing the real world. But in the real world, there are trials and there are tribulations that, that burn, that, that hurt, that stretch us, that, that bring a lot of pain. But here, the Bible says, for a little while, if need be, he says, you, you have been grieved by various trials. And the, why are those trials there? He tells you right there in verse 7 that the genuineness of your what? Of your faith, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes. So this is more important than your money. It's more important than your, your, your portfolio right now. It's the most valuable thing you have is your faith. And he says that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So what is happening, what you're going through, and even the enemy who is trying to bring negative against you, God's going to turn it for good. So it's causing your faith to rise up. How many of you know that you have a choice when you're in the midst of a trial to whether you're going to trust God or not? How many of us know it seems to be by default that we try to work it out on our own? Okay? And we step away from the divine plan. Because the divine plan just d doesn't make sense many times when we're faced with what we're faced with. 
But here, you got to understand the whole test, the whole trial, is not something that just, just happened to catch you off guard. This thing is testing your faith. The genuineness of your faith and gold which is tested by fire and it perishes, is, perishes. The gold is made more valuable when it goes through the testing of the fire. And your faith is going to be made more valuable as it undergoes this testing that you're going through. And the good thing is, he says it right here, that trials have a time limit. They have a season. You're not going to be going through this the rest of your life. So what I say is let's go ahead and, and focus and pass the test so we can graduate. I know there were some classes that as I went through my bachelor's and my master's and my doctoral program, there were some classes I was so glad to graduate and get out of. Uh, I'm like, oh, I don't know why I had to do that. I don't know why I had to study that. I don't know why I had to learn that. And, and, and the person that taught it to me, I'm, I don't know why I ever had to meet them, but I am so glad I passed. And I'll never sign up for that class ever again because that is behind me. Some of us need to get some of this stuff we're going through right now. We need to pass it and get it behind us. Boy, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. And you've got to stay on the track. You've got to keep pressing in. You've got to weary not in well-doing because you will reap in due season if you faint not. You can't give up. You can't. I know in those programs I were in, when I was in my bachelor's program, I quit. Anybody ever quit in yours? In your mind, you quit. Thank God I didn't go to register and pull out, but I quit. I said, I'm not going to my senior year. Can you imagine? I was a junior, and I said, I can't do this anymore. I just can't do it anymore. Well, then guess what? I did it. Got into my master's program. I said, I just can't do this anymore, but I did it. Got into the doctoral program. I said, I just can't do this anymore, but I did it. And I'm so glad I did. And, and, and let me tell you what. I, I had a quitter that kept rising up in me, and, and it was this little kid, this little whiny kid, and I had to keep saying, no, I put him down. I put him behind and said, no, I've got to mature. I've got to, I've got, others have graduated. Others have done this. I can do it as well. I just got to keep doing what one day at a time, one day at a time. Now, guess what? When I got out of seminary and, and all that, I thought, wow, all the tests are over. Ha, 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 ha. Starting this church, oh, there was tests. I'm telling you what, we got a test right now. We got a $343,000 bill in January, the end of January. $343,000 from our contractor and says, here's the bill, net 30. Okay, that means by the end of February, I got to have $343,000 paid. Guess what? I didn't have $343,000. And you all have it. You know, you've got it. But the problem is it's still in your pockets, okay? So, so what am I going to do? So... We, 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 we kept praying and we kept believing and we, we thank God we've got them down as of this week. We've got them down to $100,000. Praise God. Hallelujah. 100000 The test is still not over. We've got three, about three weeks. We're going to have our dedication service and we have all the contractors here and they're going to be sitting up here in the front row in the reserve section and they, some of them will actually be speaking. Oh, I hope they don't get up and say, you know what? We would really be celebrating today with you guys if we were fully paid. And uh, I don't want them to say that. <laughs> I want them to be fully paid in three weeks. Now, where do you get $100,000 in three weeks? Well, it's a test. It's a test. And, and I have to look back and say, look what God has done for Christian Embassy. Look what the miracles He's worked in and through our lives in the last four years. They are amazing. Amen? 
Amen. And the mayor's going to be speaking about the miracles he witnessed uh, during the building of this church. And that's one of the things he's going to be focusing on in his part of our dedication service. Uh, he just says, it changed my life. They just changed my life when I actually saw this stuff just doesn't happen except in the Bible. But it was happening here. And I'm like, praise God, the God of the Bible is still the God here. And that means he's still the God in your life as well. He's the God of your situation, in your home, in your business, in your health as well. Amen. So in this scripture, I rejoice in the fact that for a little while, that these things have a time limit. We are going to get through it. You're going to get through it. You're going to be stronger. You're going to be more valuable. Your faith is going to be more valuable on the other side of this trial. I think a gold is probably about $1,221 an ounce today, uh, and, and, and that gold is that which is not filled with impurities and filled with stuff that the fire removes out of it. Well, you know what? Our lives is filled with selfishness. Our lives are filled with immaturity. Our lives are filled with, uh, filled with a lack of focus on, on God and His righteousness. And the fire of life has a way of purifying in us and causing our value to rise so that our faith that has been tested has greater, greater value than it did before. So my prayer is for you to have a faith that is past the test and that when Jesus returns that he's going to find you still praising him, he's going to find you still honoring him, and he's going to find you that you're still giving him all the glory because you knew without him you would have never come through it, but with him you can come through all things victoriously. Amen. 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 So I just rejoice in the fact that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. All we got to do is, is stay with him and, and stay focused and pressed into the plan that he has for us. We can't, you know, a, a, we can't put our faith in ourselves. We got to place our faith in him. You may have worked so hard and got it to a certain place and, and, and it's like if I could just push it and get it over the line, I can get this thing fixed. But you know what? You're putting your faith in yourself. When your faith comes under fire, that means your faith, which if it's by its very nature, it has to be placed in a higher power. You know, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. Our faith that is in Jesus Christ and what He has accomplished for us. So we're not putting our faith in ourselves, we're putting our faith in God. I'm just helping you right now. Don't put your faith in your effort and your smarts and your figuring it out and all. Put your faith in God. Don't put your faith in man. Put your faith in God. Don't put your faith in what you see. Put your faith in God. Here's a good one. Don't put your faith in what you feel. Woo! Because if you put your faith in what you feel, sometimes you feel safe, sometimes you don't feel safe. Sometimes you feel like a Christian, sometimes you don't feel like a Christian. Sometimes you feel like you're going to, you can say hallelujah, and sometimes you want to curse. Come on now. Don't be putting your feelings, a faith in your feelings. Put your faith in God. And, and Peter tells us that once your faith has been tried by fire, it gives glory. That's what he says. It gives, see that? He says, you have be found to praise, honor, and glory in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I want my faith to give glory to God. I want my faith to give praise to God. I want my faith to give honor to God. So I'm not going to be selfish and immature. I'm going to do what Paul says. When I grew, he said, when I became a man, I put away childish things. So I want to identify childishness in me, in my faith, and I want to put it aside. I want to put it behind me and mature, man up. And for you ladies, you can woman up and we can be the, the children of faith that God has called us to be. Amen? 
Amen. So in 1 Peter 1, 8, this is a powerful, powerful two verses of Scripture, 8 and 9. It says, Jesus Christ, uh, whom having not seen, you love. Okay? Though now you do not see Him, yet believing. You rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end. How do you receive the end of your faith? Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So he gives us three, the three keys right here in how we receive the end of our faith. Our faith is the uh, substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. But here he's telling us we can now fast forward it and this is how you receive what that you've been hoping for, what you've not yet seen. This is the receiving of the end of your faith, the full salvation of your souls, soteria of your souls, which is based on that word sozo that uh, we were talking about earlier. So here he tells us the three keys that we are to what? Number one, that Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. So even though you've not seen Jesus Christ, you love Jesus Christ. And even though you've not seen Him, yet you believe. All things are possible to him who believes. Isn't that what Jesus said? All things are possible to him who believes. And three, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith. So you love him before you see him, you believe him now before you see it come to pass, and you praise him now before you see the answer to the prayer. That is how you pass the test. Those are the keys that will unlock the owner's closet and bring you the end of your faith. That, that which you're believing for is going to come to you. You'll receive the end of your faith if you'll do these three things. That you'll love Him before you see Him. That you will believe Him before you see Him. Believe Him now. And you will praise Him before you get the answer to your prayers. Now, immaturity does not do that. If I see, I'll believe. That's immaturity. I will believe once it comes to pass. I'll thank God for it once it happens. No, I'll praise Him once the miracle is manifest. Once I get my passing grade on my test and I get what I've been believing for, then I'll praise Him. No, you've just missed it. As long as the heir is a child, the Bible says he's no better off than the slave. He's no better off than the servant. The, in order for the child to receive their covenant uh, inheritance, we have to what? We have, as long as you're a child, you're not going to receive it. We've got to mature. And here are the three ways, the three keys to spiritual maturity. That we love Him before we see Him, that we believe Him now, and we rejoice before you receive. I believe these are the three that we have to focus on. Now, let us kind of break them down and look at these three marks of maturity uh, because they, I believe, are, it's that simple. It's that simple if we will see this. He says, so that we can have the end of our faith, the salvation of our souls, and as I said, that word soteria is uh, referencing the deliverance of our souls, the health of our souls, the rescue of our souls, and the safety of our souls, uh, or the suke, which is your heart, your life, your being. So this is uh, this salvation that we're looking at right here, soteria, is not grace salvation. We've got to get an understanding between grace salvation and working salvation. Grace salvation 
and working salvation. So if you look at grace salvation, here's a good scripture for you to understand grace salvation. For by grace you have been saved, sozo, through faith, and that not of yourselves. This is not something you could have done. Not your good works, you passing a test, you being the righteousness of God by doing what's right in your own strength could not have done this. You remember by the law, if that could have been attained, then Jesus died in vain. So it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone boast. So how many of you thank God for grace salvation? That what we could not do, He did for us. But He has not excluded or eliminated from us any responsibility. And that brings us to working salvation that we find in Philippians 2 and 12, where he says, work out your own salvation, the soteria, with fear and trembling. Now, soteria finds its base or root word in sozo. So it's still a, a supernatural gifts of God, supernatural favor and blessings of God, and the salvation that comes from God, but it is what we do with what he's provided for us. In other words, he has given us what we couldn't do for ourselves in great salvation. He has saved us. He's provided healing for us. We couldn't heal ourselves. We got some doctors in the house. They have such a heart for healing. They've studied. They've spent tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars and hours of study and preparation and their hands are being used by God and they can do but a certain thing. They can but stitch you up but they cannot make those cells come back together and do what God created them to do. They can't do that. They can do their part in putting it in order, but there's a, a part that has to be God. So this sozo, this, this that God brings healing, God brings salvation, God brings forgiveness of sin. There's nothing we could do. There's not enough lambs. There's not enough goats. There's not enough bulls. There's not enough doves' blood in all of the world that could wash our sins away. But the blood of Jesus came, the sinless blood of Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God. He came and took our sins away. He lifted our burdens at Calvary. Hallelujah! He did for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And He brought that sozo for us. But now we have a responsibility once we receive the grace salvation of God of now walking it out, walking it out by faith. So faith without works is dead. So here we've got to stand on what he's provided, but we've got to walk it out. And he tells us to work out our own salvation, soteria, which means soteria is standing on the rock of sozo and saying, let's take everything God has and now let's walk it out. Let's walk it out. And one of the things that we see is we have to mature in order for our faith to bring the fruition and the fullness of that which it is created to do. So we have to step up in our lives to maturity. We can't sit back and say, God, if you want me to be mature, then you make it happen. That's like a grown-up sitting there playing games and not going out and putting resumes and not working and wondering why the lights are cut off and wondering why they're getting an eviction notice and wondering why there's no food in the refrigerator and wondering why the kids have no clothes. They've outgrown their clothes. And they're just sitting there playing the game on TV uh, and just saying, if God wants us to have uh, food to eat, He'll provide it. If God wants us to have electricity, He'll provide it. How many of you know it doesn't work that way? That we have a responsibility that we've got to work. The Bible tells us. Now, now, will God supernaturally provide? Yes. But will He give us the strength to work? Will He give us the knowledge to work? Will He download a, a gifts and talents and anointings in our lives and understanding so that we can learn and we can work? Yes, He does. 
but it's based on what he has done. We've got to step up in our responsibility and go forth. So what we're talking about in the maturation process so that the heir can receive their inheritance. You're the heir. Jesus has died. So when he died, it made it legal that you could get your inheritance. And now he's resurrected and sent the Holy Spirit to make sure the transfer of power, it takes place. But he says, I'm not going to give you the keys to the car if you're not going to learn how to be safe driving the car. Uh, you've got to grow up. You don't give the keys to the car to a 10-year-old. You've got to take them through their process when they're 15, and you've got to train them and to go driving school and all these responsibilities, and, all, and then with accountability and supervision, and then you start releasing them more and more because there's such a huge responsibility in driving. Well, it's the same thing for the transfer of the wealth and the transfer of the anointing and the transfer of the giftings and the transfer of the favor and the transfer of the blessings of God, we've got to be able to stand under with maturity and be good stewards of that. That's why he says, I'll give you a little when you've been tested with that and you've shown yourself faithful, I can grant more to you and more to you. So we've got to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. That is the working salvation. So there's God's part, which you cannot do. You need not try to you, because you'll get into religious works. You'll become a Sadducee or you'll become a Pharisee or, and you'll become one of those folks that is just a mean, mean Christian and give Christians a bad name because they're trying to work out the great salvation on their own and they're angry and they're upset because they can't do it. But boy, when you understand that by grace you're saved by through faith, and you, you just so appreciate what God has done for you, you so love Him for what He did for you, you're so glad that you're not on your way to hell, but you're on your way to heaven because of Jesus Christ, and now you want to work. You want to work in a way that will advance His kingdom. You'll pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth. Lord, let me do my part. Let me do my part as it is in heaven. So... There's God's part, which you, which you can't do. And then there's man's part. Uh, that's the part that he is holding us responsible, and it requires our faith to be tested. So going back to 1 Peter uh, chapter 1 there, uh, verse 9, he says, the receiving uh, the salvation of your souls. So receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls, which is receiving the goal of your faith. Now, the goal of your faith may be different than the goals I've set for my faith, but you will receive the goals for your faith, which you will experience all the blessings of your salvation that are in Christ. Such blessings as answered prayer and blessings as healing and blessings as peace and fulfill, a fulfilled life and a happy marriage and obedient children and more than enough to be able to live in this life and be a blessing to your children and your children's children and those that are in need around you. And the goal is that our faith produces all of the blessings that belong to us in Christ Jesus. See, see when, when your faith is in what Christ has done, your, your, your soteria, working out your salvation, becomes easy when you really trust the sozo. Because when you trust the zozo, sozo, you know, uh, as, I, here's, you know you got a net. Okay? Can I say it that way? I was uh, talking to one of the businessmen today, and uh, he came up to me, and, and he said, thank you for sharing. And he says, uh, I was punching a clock for a season, but uh, the Lord kept telling me, I've, I've called you to do this business. I've called you to do this business. So he says, I'm a little nervous right now because I've stepped out, and I, and I resigned from the clock punching job, and I'm now doing this business. And it's not taking off real fast. 
and he says, and now there's no net. And he said, that's a scary place to be. Well, he, and we set up a meeting, so I'm going to share this with him, but really and truly, what he was saying is not reality. That may be his reality and how he feels, but let me tell you what, we don't, we don't live by how we feel. We've got to live by faith. His faith is under fire. It's being tested. Now, I didn't say it feels good. Did I ever say it felt good? I didn't say it feels good. I gave you examples of me schooling, and none of that felt good, okay? Uh, so it doesn't feel good, but what the real truth is, is that if this is what God called him to do, and he stepped out to do it, he has more of a net than when he's punching the clock. He didn't have a net, he has a rock. He has a rock. Okay, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. And he's a part of that church. He said, that rock is the, the sozo. That everything, Jesus says, I died. I shed my blood. I took stripes upon my back. I took a crown of thorns upon my head. I took nails in my hand and nails in my feet. I took a sword in my side to provide sozo. Your prosperity. He says, Deuteronomy 28.48. I think this is what Deuteronomy 28.48 says. The sign of the curse is what? Hunger, nakedness, thirst, and in one of all things. Four things. Now, do you think it's by coincidence that the Bible gives us the details of Jesus when He steps on the scene going to the cross? And we know that He had not eaten. We know that He says from the cross, I thirst, Right? And we know from the Bible that it says he was hanging there naked as they were gambling for his garments there on the ground. And do we not hear that uh, when they took him off of the cross, he owned nothing and had to be placed in a borrowed tomb? Isn't that right? Now, do you think that's just coincidence? The Bible tells us those four things that Jesus did. No! He is telling us that he came to cancel the curse of poverty. That, that Deuteronomy 28, 48 curse, Jesus took it head on and with nakedness and thirst and hunger and in one of all things, he took it head on so that a divine transfer could take place in our lives that you and I could have the sozo, the salvation, the sozo, the provision of, of prosperity in our life. Amen. So above all things, as we read in uh, John, he says, above all things, that I pray that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. It's God's will that you have more than enough. Now you say, that's not my reality. Thank God we have faith that can pull us out of our reality into the fulfillment of the blessed promise of God. Because if we were all stuck in our reality, we would all be, oh, the devil comes to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. We would all, we'd have those marks all about us. And there would be no hope. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundant. That we who were poor, the Bible says, that he who was rich became poor, that we who were poor might be made rich in Christ Jesus. Now that rich does not mean uh, flying uh, Learjets and, and going around with gold dragging all off of you. That's not what it means. More than enough. More than enough. Whatever God's called you to do, you have more than enough. Whatever God, direction God has, you can trust that He's going to provide. So that means it may seem there's no provision in front of you, but you need to what? Love Him before you see Him. Believe Him now, not after the provision comes. And you need to start praising Him now. 
So even though the provision's not there, your flesh wants to cry, but your faith says, I must praise. Your flesh wants to bite your nails, but your faith says, I'm going to lift up my hands and I'm going to give glory to the King of Kings and the Lord of I don't know how He's going to do it. I don't know when He's going to do it. I just can't figure it out. But I know Him well enough that He's a God of His Word and He's going to do what He says He's going to do. And I'm on the sozo walking out my soterio and I'm going to work out my salvation with fear and trembling before the Lord. Hallelujah. So these are the three secrets. You love Him whom you've not seen. You believe in Him even though it's not manifested yet. And you praise Him when there are no natural reasons you should praise Him. But you just know that your God is bigger than your circumstances. Your God is bigger than your, your, your physical problem. Your God is bigger than your need. So I'm telling you, I'm thanking God. I'm shouting and praising God that we're going to have our contractor paid off. Uh, that is $100,000 God's going to provide. I don't need to know how. Someone came up to me uh, uh, Sunday and they came up to me and they had loaned the church $15,000 to help us get going uh, when we first started. And, and they said, here's that note. Can't consider it paid in full. We are donating it to the glory of God. Now, I didn't ask them to do that. That was never the intention of our heart. But God is moving and God is speaking and God has got strangers calling in from out of state saying we need to talk. What can we do to be a part of what God is doing at Christian Embassy? So I'm telling you, it does, it's not here yet, but I'm going to praise Him now. I'm not going to wait till it comes. I'm going to praise Him now. I want it recorded that here at Christian Embassy, we were praising God for this before it ever came to pass. And I want it that we're believing God now before it ever came to pass. And the good news is, is what God is doing here with us corporately, more than likely, is happening to all of us individually. We kind of like go through life together, if you know what I mean. It kind of parallels. So I'm going ahead. I'm going to start praising Him now for your needs being according to His riches and glory. I'm going to go ahead and start believing God now that you're going to have exactly what you need when you need it. It's coming through. We don't know how, but it's coming through. And we're not going to wait till it comes to pass before we say, I believe. Hallelujah. We must believe Him and love Him and praise Him before we see it. Before we see it. Amen. So that is the key here that is something that we need to be focused on uh, as we go through um, our, our life because the last thing we want to do is live as immature Christians. I mean, read the book of uh, 1 Corinthians. I mean, 2 Corinthians. Here's a letter that is written to a very immature church. And there's a lot of rebuke and a lot of correction and a lot that needs to go on because in their immaturity, they were actually walking as carnal Christians. We don't want to be carnal Christians. We don't want to be conditional Christians saying junk like, well, I'm not going to church. God's not doing much in my life. I don't need that old church thing. Forget that. Who really cares? I mean, come on now. The church belongs to God. And please, as your pastor, I ask you, please do not get on the bandwagon if anyone in your social network or in your face wants to bash the bride of Christ. Don't jump on that bandwagon. You may have had a bad experience in your church bringing up or something like that. The church is a hospital. Part of it is a hospital. 
and it, we have hurting people that come in and hurting people hurt people. So there's a lot of ministry takes place there. But it's also an equipping center, meaning that we come in at one level and we're equipped to do what God's called us to do at another level. And in that, there can be a lot of immaturity. So what we must not do is jump on the spirit of the age that comes from the Antichrist that wants to speak against Christ and His bride wants to speak down. I see it on social media. You can say something about almost anything and you'll get a few comments, but somebody will say something negative about a church and it's like 75 posts that come in there bashing the bride of Christ. If you want to deal with the immature, deal with those immature people as individual people. Don't damn the body of Christ because Jesus said, I'm building my church and the gates of hell shall... In other words, he says, I'm going to protect my church. So when I see people do that, I'm like, they're, they're putting themselves in danger. They're actually turning their sword on Jesus. They're turning their sword on his bride. Now, I love my bride. And let me tell you what, I would, I would die to save her life. I would do anything in my power to make sure no one could, would harm her. It's just, it's just something, I'm, the two of us became one and God has given me to protect her and, 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 and when I think of the love I have for her and the protection I have for her, what does Jesus see when we begin to damn and, and speak down on uh, His bride in that way? Come on now. I think we need to mature. We need to test the, uh, pass the test of faith and we need to go forward. Now, I'm not saying the churches are perfect. I've never been in a perfect church yet. Uh, if it was, the moment I walked in it, it was imperfect and the same vice versa with you because none of us are perfect. We're being perfected in Christ but we all have some growing to do. and We all have some short-sightedness. We all have some immaturity. And there's some faith testing that needs to be done. Some of us are taking the test the second time, the third time, and the fourth time. And we're more irritable now uh, than, than we were when we first took it. And uh, I understand all that. But what we need to do is we need not to uh, step in, uh, stay stagnate, uh, stagnated in that immaturity and understand the plan of God and the purpose of God. So I want to wrap this up with uh, a quick review. Uh, there again, he says, Though whom you've not seen, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you love him, you believe him, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. So whom, see, whom you've not seen, love. I pray tonight that you would fall in love with Jesus. Oh my, my. And if, you would, if you've not been loving on Him like you should, you would rekindle your love. That you would fall in love with Jesus. That, I'm telling you, there's no one that will do for you what Jesus has already done. He cares for you. He has a plan for your blessing and your favor. Anything uh, bad that has come into your life has not come from Him. It didn't come from Him. He said, Satan's come to kill, steal, and destroy. So don't blame God. Don't blame Jesus. If there's any killing, if there's any stealing, if there's any destruction that came from the devil, Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. So what we got to do is we need to fall in love with Jesus. Let me tell you what, there's some of us that still have some carnality. We still have some immaturity. We're still acting out of the flesh. We're still uh, nursing our own tempers which lead into temper tantrums. How beautiful is it to see a temper tantrum, a five-year-old pitch a ten temper tantrum at the grocery store? How, is that fun? Is that, is that a good sight? How about a 40-year-old pitching a temper?
temper tantrum. That twists my tongue. Temper tantrum. Okay. Fall in love with Jesus. And do what Paul says. I gotta examine my speech. I gotta ex examine my understanding. I gotta examine my thoughts. And if I'm thinking, speaking, or acting in any way that is immature, I don't need to come under condemnation. Because if you come under condemnation, you're going to run from God. You're going to go hide behind a tree in the garden. So we need to declare, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So I'm not, Jesus came in the world not to condemn the world, but to save the world. I need, I need that sozo. I need to get back on the rock of sozo. Hallelujah. So I run to God rather than away from God. And I said, God, and you identify this, the God, I've been acting very immature. I've been acting very childish in this area. But I'm going to take the instructions you gave me from the Apostle Paul as I identify it. I now put it behind me. I put it aside. I put it off to childishness. And I become the man or the woman, the mature child of God that you've called me to be. That decision has to be yours. So you can pass the test. So you can pass the test. So you want to love him now. He loves you. He's got great, greater things planned for you. And don't wait until it happens to believe. Believe now. That's what it's all about. Jesus says all things are possible to him who believes. If you're waiting till it happens to give your testimony, let me tell you what, you're on the wrong side of it. You need to start testifying now. My God shall supply all my needs according to His riches and glory. Hallelujah. He's going to bring it from the north, south, east, and west. He's going to bring abundance into my life so that all the needs are met. He's going to get the glory. He's going to get the honor. And He's going to get the praise. we got to rejoice now. And the thing about rejoicing is you really can't fake it. You ever see anybody try to fake the happy fake? Ah, that ain't working. There's fake news and that's a fake smile. <laughs> Come on now. So true joy comes when you truly believe. When you really believe. Oh my, my, I've had struggles in my body. And I said, God, I believe. I believe. And the pain got worse. And, and, I, and I had to stay on my believing until it broke through and I had joy. That's how I knew I really believed. The other, I was saying it, I was saying it, but I, when I got joy and I started rejoicing in the fact that one day this pain is not going to be here, I was rejoicing in the fact. And, and then the next thing I know, the pain is gone. I'm telling you, we've got these three keys to spiritual maturity. Let's use them. Open the owner's closet. Get a hold of the inheritance that God has for us. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. Praise the Lord. Father, I just want to thank you this evening, Lord, for your word. Hallelujah. Your word is good. Your word is bread, Lord. And you said that we should not depend on the bread that comes from this world alone, but by every word that proceeds out of your mouth. Lord, we eat and feast on your word tonight. I pray it brings nourishment and it brings strength into our spirit man, Lord God, that we would rise up and we would get the protein we need to build some spiritual muscle, that we would get the healthy carbs from your word that we need to give us some energy to go into the rest of this week, Lord God, that you would give us the nourishment to go forth and to live in faith, to walk in faith, to declare in faith, to believe, to receive, Lord God, to rejoice. Lord God, I believe 
you know, if we get this, a sign of true maturity in your word, God, is that we will be the most joyful people on planet Earth. That our, evangelist, our evangelistic uh, uh, outreach will go to a whole new level because we walk in the joy of the Lord. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. And Lord God, we know that the joy of the Lord is our strength. We're going to have a strength, Lord God, because we believe, we receive, we love you, Lord, and we praise you, Lord, before it comes to pass. We're not conditional Christians, Lord God. We're going to be faith men and women of God. We're going to believe you. We're going to declare it. We're going to walk in it. We're going to rejoice in it. And Lord, you get all the glory and you get all the honor and you get all the praise. Hallelujah. And now, Lord God, as we stand here in your presence, Lord, I just I just feel in my spirit that we're to turn to someone and to pray for someone right now. So if you would just turn to someone, maybe even have to move. No, not a whole lot of disruption. But just, just take somebody by the hand. Just take somebody by the hand and begin to pray for them. Begin to pray right now. Begin to declare, you're going to pass this test. Just go ahead and jump. You're going to pass this test. They need encouragement. They need a they need a spirit of encouragement released over them right now. You're going to pass this test. You're going to the next level. You're going to walk into your inheritance. You're going to see the next uh, 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 measure of, of what faith has, God's faith has for you right now. Just declare over them, you're not going to be weary and well-doing. You're going to make it. You're going over. You're going to go, go to the next level. You're going. You're going. You're going. Just I just see that. They need a they need a coach. Just like someone telling you when you're running that marathon and you can't, you almost feel like I need to just drop. And you only got, you know, a quarter of a mile to go. But the, the, the daddy and the mama and the coach can come out there and they start encouraging them and they get up and they make it and they cross the finish line. Encourage one another right now. Encourage one another right now with words that uplift, words that stimulate faith. Say your healing is coming. Your deliverance is coming. Your provision is coming. I know my God and He's a God. He's faithful. Let's get on the rock of Sozo and let's do our soteria and let's walk it out. Let's walk it out right now. I'm going to help you walk it out. You're going to walk into your healing. You're going to walk into your deliverance. You're going to walk into your promotion. You're going to walk into your provision. I'm, in the, I'm here standing with you now in agreement in Jesus' name. And Lord, we just want to bless one another. Bless one another, Lord. Oh, we bless you in Jesus' name. We bless you. Just go ahead and bless them. Say, I bless you in Jesus' name. Now, Father, as we go into the remainder of this night, Lord God, I pray that we would walk out of here working out our salvation with fear and trembling before you, using these three keys, Lord God, to help us mature our faith so that we can bring forth, we can usher in kingdom advancement in our lives. To you be the glory and the honor and the praise. And everybody said in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.